0: Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening guys? Happy Friday and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome guys. We are just hours away from UFC 262, and coming up on today's show, I'll give you my official predictions for Tony Ferguson versus Benny Darouche and Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. But before we get there, I promised you guys on Wednesday that if you wrote me in questions on my YouTube channel, that I'd potentially ask them to today's guest, Jake Paul. He's one of the most polarizing figures in combat sports right now. So why not begin here first? Here's my conversation with Jake Paul. Jake Paul can't box, Jake Paul can't compete, and Jake Paul can't beat Ben Askren are things that I used to think. And speaking of, let me talk to the man, Jake Paul. What's going on, pal?
1: What up, boss? How are you, man? I, I, uh, I like the suit. Looking sharp. Looking I, real sharp. You
0: know what? I appreciate you saying that. I don't see color real well, and I even went with the hanky. I took a few risks today, man, and I'm not a real risk taker, <laughs> so you, you got me some credit with my wife on that. Thank you.
1: I got you, man. Yeah, I, I, I know you're not a real risk taker, man. You... You do you didn't want to back me for this fight. I I was watching all the all the YouTube videos, every single one of them, man.
0: <laughs> well, I I hope in hindsight you see it as a compliment because when you don't get you don't get a whole lot of times in life to surprise people. You surprised me, but you surprised a lot of people. I mean, Dana's on that list. Askren's on. The entire 2008 Olympic team is on that list. You surprised <laughs> a lot of people. And by the way, you did it pretty quick.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean I knew that was what was going to happen. Like I said it the whole entire time I said first or second round. And I think at this point, you know, people are starting to realize that what I'm saying in these pre-fight buildups comes to fruition every single time. And it's not by luck or or by, or by chance. Um, And so I love when people are doubting me, it just adds uh, fuel to my fire and it motivates me more. And I have the ace up my sleeve, like that, that. That's what people don't get here, and a lot of people don't want to give me credit because you know my profession was uh, being a Disney Channel actor or YouTuber before. I got into boxing, and so I don't think people can comprehend like that. I that I love fighting, that I actually can't fight.
0: So, Jake, tell me this: okay, you get into boxing. This is something you like. You looked up to these guys. Something you thought would be cool, but man, all of a sudden you're you're on a stage with Floyd Mayweather.
1: You you had you played it cool, but you must have felt something, <laughs> right? Uh, honestly, no. Honestly, no. I, I uh, I've never been the type to get starstruck look, I think the reason being is because like, after I got famous, uh, like nothing changed. Like (laughs) you're not, you're not cooler. You're not like a different person, right? Like if all of a sudden I had 20 million more followers, like I still wake up, drink, drink the same coffee, put my pants on the same way. Uh, so I, you know, my dad always taught me like, Hey, you know, you're, you're going to hang out with, uh, this celebrity or whatever, but look, we're all just humans at the end of the day. So I just, I just look at us as all, all as individuals. And I was kind of just, you know, just chilling.
0: <laughs> well, once you grab the hat and now all of a sudden Floyd and his people are after you, I mean, at some point this thing had to get real and you, I mean, you got to tell me what that was like. I mean, at some point you got to be, going, am I going to have to fight Floyd right now? Right now, me and Floyd are fighting like what? what's up?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was sort of a sensory overload with everything that was going on. Uh, There was like eight guys around me, all grabbing me, like some like hitting me in the leg. Uh, I I'm like holding onto his hat. I was holding onto his hat for dear life. I was like, no, I'm not letting go. And (laughs) that was the main thing that they were like concerned about. They are like, give us the fucking hat, give us the hat. And I was like, no, no. And then finally they got the hat. And then, yeah, I just see this, this uh, angry Floyd Mayweather, like I could, I couldn't believe it. And he, one of his security guards, like had my shirt like wrapped around his hand, and so I couldn't get away. And he, he just comes running at me, and he's throwing punches like over the security guard, and I'm literally just like, oh wow, this is this is crazy. But the the funny thing about it was like, none of the punches were even coming close to me um, at that point. And he actually, like, punched his own security guard in the side of the head. Uh, but, yeah, like, uh, absurd moment. Uh, hilarious. I didn't think he was going to get that mad over, over a hat. Um,
0: and what – remind uh, me uh, what you <laughs> said to him
1: because you said
0: a funny line where you grabbed it. It was like, got your hat. You said something to him.
1: I said, got your hat.
0: See, that made <laughs> I was it like, for me. yeah, yeah. That's what made it for me, though, is when you said, got your hat, and you were gone. And then I want to say, like, you even changed your Twitter to got your hat. The whole thing was brilliant. That's all I'm saying. I was watching that whole thing going, This is a genius at work. I'm watching a genius a, at
1: work here. There I got it is. Tattoo. I got a tattoo <laughs> of it in the airport before, before flying back home. But look, I mean, <laughs> hey, it's, it's show business. For sure. You know, and, and uh, that's right. I, I didn't think it was going to go that viral i thought it was gonna be like uh, like, this is funny jake paul is like an immature little kid uh, which which, by the way like that's what i was going for i was like hey this is gonna be hilarious like i'm gonna be like a little kid stealing someone's hat on the playground so okay so logan's gonna fight
0: floyd what are your marching orders for the next couple months do you go in and your training partner your support for your brother or will you book a fight if something comes up like what are you looking to do
1: um, yeah, I'm, I'm here at Logan's training camp, uh, just supporting him. Uh, you know, I have a lot of business stuff going on, so I'm kind of just like cheerleading and, uh, giving him, you know, the tips and advice that, that I see, uh, while, while I'm watching him spar and, uh, yeah, just, just here to support man. And, you know, this is, this is a massive fight, massive opportunity. And so it's good to be surrounded by family throughout these, you know, massive moments and. Uh, when there's a lot of pressure, a lot of eyeballs and people watching you know you need your support system um, but yeah th- there's a lot of people who want to fight me um, and I've been called out by like uh, half of the MMA community. Um, a lot of celebrities like just the other day uh, 6 nine said that he wanted to fight me so me and my team are just like figuring out what what makes the most sense and um, I, I fought three times. In the past uh, like 15 to 16 months. So I've been pretty active and it, it's uh, taken like a toll on me. Just like I'm just felt tired after the fight. Like even the night after, I was like, this is such a relief. I won and I was just sitting there like, I didn't even want to like stand up. I was just like, man, I, I, this has been the craziest. 16 months of my life i I need like a little bit of a break
0: well speaking of that fight let me ask you a real direct question were you embarrassed with the production of triller or was that cool like when you're in the back and you got all this stuff going on you're going man i'm here to box or was that cool i watched it i gotta tell you i was a little surprised some of the stuff that they did we had i mean there was like a slap contest i'm waiting for you and ben to get in there so i can tell everybody i was right i thought ben was going to clean you up in fairness what was it like for you man were you what'd you think of the production
1: so I wasn't watching it the night of, uh, I was just in my locker room, like obviously warming up, but I think a lot of fight fans who, you know, have watched all the UFC events who watch, you know, typical boxing, they looked at the event and was, were like, this is awful. Like we don't want all this extra stuff. And so I see that angle because I'm a fight fan myself. And I was like, this is too much music, too much stuff going on. But then there was the other side who, uh, of people who were just coming for the entertainment and the, the hollywood people and they seem to like it and they seem to enjoy the the madness and the chaos so i see both sides of it and I, I i think you know triller is innovating right and so um sorry thor, thor. sorry my dog is trying to I got, I got to myself
0: um, i understand
1: so triller's innovating right and when you're trying something new you're stepping out, outside of the normal comfort zone you're going to make some mistakes you're going to uh, have a feeling out period but somebody in the space needs to to come in and, and make change in, in these combat sports to make it more appealing for the general audience And i think that's all Triller is trying to do
0: that's fair that's right i think they're trying to do that too i think there's a balance I, i'm hoping they learn some stuff Set that aside. Are you under contract with Trailer? Did you do a three-fight deal? Because someone told me yesterday that you're not. That you signed a one-time, and you you could actually go fight anywhere you want. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I'm a I'm a free agent. And um, look, I think that's the way it should be with all fighters. Like it it just sucks to see these young kids, these young boxers, these young UFC champions get tied up into these contracts where they're owned by the promoter they're owned by dana white and they're not getting fair pay they're not getting the fights they want this is a it's a big problem like how is how are how is uh ariana celeste i think is her name like how, she's a ring girl right like how does she make more money than some of the fighters in the octagon who are risking their lives D- doesn't doesn't make doesn't make sense to me and i think i don't know it's just a big problem and I'm hoping to help change that and just help fighters realize, like, they are the content. They are the ones that the fans are showing up for. They are the ones that are driving these pay-per-views. And they're the ones, again, risking their lives. And it's and they should be rewarded for that. So let, let
0: me give you a, a make-believe scenario, okay? Let's say you get the opportunity to fight Kamar Usman. And I know where there was some chatter on that between you two. And I want to say Dana stepped in and goes... I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm not loaning one of my fighters up. But let's say he doesn't have to. Let's say Jake, you get a phone call, you get a box. Kamar Uzman, Dana's going to put the whole thing on. Are you open to the idea? Hundred percent. Okay.
1: So you would take I'm a boxing down.
0: match. You take a boxing match with with guys like that if you could find a way for the, all those things to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and look, there's uh, there's conversations happening. Uh, I, I, I believe Kamaru's, uh manager is already in talks with Dana and. I think that's all I could say, sure. but uh, I, 100%. I, I'm, I'm down for all for all the smoke. I want all the smoke. Look, um, Daniel Cormier, another example.
0: How'd you feel when he came over to you, by the way? I mean, you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. You were hanging out where you were supposed to be. What, I mean, what'd you think when the big guy came over?
1: No, it was, it was crazy to me. I was like, is this guy really doing this right now? Like, I'm just here as a spectator. He comes over, and I'm like, bro, Daniel, like, you're playing into my game plan here. Like, you could have just ignored me, went on with your day. But instead, I think think he was just trying to intimidate me. Like, I think he was really trying to, like, check to see if I was really about this shit, if I was going to get scared. Because a lot of people see, like, I'm on Twitter saying all this shit. Uh, You know, I have blonde hair. I'm dressed like a asshole. Like (laughs) I I look like a little celebrity kid, like who who you could probably intimidate. And I think he was legitimately coming over there to like check me to see if I was going to get scared by the former heavyweight champion of the world. And I I, like, I'm really about this life. I I think I I can say that with a lot of credibility now. And so that's what I think initially it was about. He was like really like trying to get in my face. And I was like, Daniel like sign the contract and what I meant by that was like let's let's make a fight happen you know like if you want to come over here get face to face tell me to keep my your name out of my mouth why not fight like that that would be one of the biggest paydays you you've ever had you're you're a commentator Daniel like go go back to doing your job man like just Leave me out of this. <laughs> and, and
0: what Lead do you weigh? This. What do you weigh? By the way, you two hundred pounds, ninety five. Uh,
1: I'm like I'm like two hundred five, two hundred ten. Okay, naturally. Well, then it's not it's around. not
0: totally out of the question, right? I mean, I know you and Daniel aren't going to fight. I'm just saying, but it's not totally out of the question. I didn't realize that you were you you're a light
1: heavyweight yourself. If you wanted to be. No, exactly, exactly, and I I didn't think it was out of the question. You know, I, I've said it before. Anyone, anytime any place. Sure. Uh, the only, the only thing that is slowing me down right now, quite honestly, is the lawyers and managers and CEOs of, of the big media companies, uh, you know, waiting to, to get all the deals done and uh, arranged stuff. I'm ready at any time. You know, a lot of people don't realize that every single day fighters are sparring, you know, Uh, hard rounds day in and day out, two, three, four, five, six, seven times a week. You know, those are all boxing matches, right? The only difference with when the lights are on is that it's like an actual event and everyone is tuning in on pay-per-view. So, you know, I wish these guys could come into the gym and I could take them out one by one, but we have to wait set it all up, do the press conferences, do the rigmarole, do the training camps, and just uh, make it it an event. Um, Otherwise, I would fight all of these people if I could.
0: Man, I fully understand what you're saying. I got to tell you, I love the sport myself, and I still love it as a fan, but if I had any resentment towards the sport, it's what you just said, that you only get to do it three times a year. You know, that window business is a real thing. You don't know about it yet, but one day you'll wake up and you'll go, oh, this is what everybody told me. You know, you kind of feel differently. Your body kind of hurts. One day, it just happens. I hate that too, man. I hate that whole. We gotta find a way to run this through. I was a fan early on. There was once a year called 1993. You'll have to take my word for that, but they do <laughs> tournaments, Jake. They did. You gotta fight three guys in one night, and I'm so jealous. You know, I was so jealous of all those guys. Like you guys are all running your mouth. You think I'm just doing this for fun? I'll beat y'all in one night, or at least I'll try. And I, I, I do hear what you're saying on that. That part of it is frustrating. How it gets, it gets held up in an office somewhere. Come on.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and especially now more than ever, it's like, you know, how come these uh, big heavyweights, Joshua versus uh, Fury, how come that fight's not happening? Like, that's quite frankly, that's the fight we all want to see. H- how come these things are happening? The whole lightweight division in boxing, you know, th- there's John Jones uh, ver- versus Francis. Like, why, why isn't this happening? Because of payment? Like, Dana, give, give these guys $10 million each plus pay-per-view and make the fight happen. You know, like th- th- there's gotta be a way and, and I'm big, I'm big into crypto um, and, and decentralized finance. And so I almost want, the, and obviously finance is like coming into the power of the people in the community. And it's like, how do we decentralize the fight community and make it so the fighters are the ones in control and we can just pick whoever and fight whoever and just make this stuff happen. I got to tell you, I'm
0: into crypto as well. Lost a lot of sleep over the night, right? I mean, must tweet really changed the market to the tune of about a third of a trillion dollars. Are you following though I spent my whole day waiting to get ready for you, picking out this cool jacket, and I was watching AMC stock. Are you following what the kids on Reddit are doing with AMC? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, You're familiar yeah. with... Jake, you're familiar with what they did with GameStop about a month ago? Yes. Okay, the same kids, same plan, but they moved it to AMC, and it is fascinating. This is something Wall Street never had to worry about, the people rising up. But in the world of the Internet, the people can rise. They can organize, and they're working on it now. I'm just saying, if you're if you're staying up tonight, just Google AMC, see what I'm talking about. You'll get a kick out of reading about it, I promise that.
1: I think that I I feel like the AMC thing might have happened like a while ago, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I that's like a tri- that's a it's a traditional stock, obviously, but sure. I I'm more into uh into the into crypto. But I bro, when when it dips like that, now it's the time to buy. When when the market is low, that's that's when you got to get in.
0: Opportunity. I fully agree. All right. Hey, I gotta tell you, by the way you kind of won me over. You're a pretty cool guy. I wasn't fully expecting this. I wasn't sure that you were as aware of your surroundings as you are. I've thoroughly enjoyed this, but you got to think you want to get off your chest. Hope goals, dream. Do we got anybody on the horizon? I know you've always got something up the sleeve here, man. You what you want to give it to old chale?
1: No, th- uh, thank you, man. I, I, I appreciate that. I've always been a fan of you. Watch your fights growing up and I, I love your show. think you're uh, super smart, super articulate. And, uh, no, I mean look, uh this is the start of a of a of an awesome journey. And like man, I, I'm just a kid with a dream at the end of the day from from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh I, I plan on being in this sport for a long time and I think I'm very underestimated. This guy's trying to hide. Like, you know, everyone saw <laughs> we you. We saw him. Bro. Let him know. We saw him. Everyone, everyone saw you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, man, I'm just I'm just uh making it happen and you know, uh, living my best life and rolling with, rolling with the punches, uh, literally and figuratively. I
0: I respect that very much. Let me get one final thing for you. Just a prediction for the weekend, Charles Oliveira, Michael
1: Chandler. Who do you got? I got Chandler
0: in a good fight or Chandler going to come catch him
1: with that power and put him down. I, I think he, I think he's, I think Chandler's just got this beast mode inside of him and he's got that. He's got that overhand. Right. Um, I was expecting Dan Hooker to to win, and he just ran through him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for that fight. All
0: right. You're the man. Check out AMC. We'll both check out the fight. And, Jake, I look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you, pal.
1: Awesome. Peace out, bro.
0: Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jake Paul. I know I did. Listen. Is John Jones gonna say yes to anyone at heavyweight? I'll discuss that next. But first, here's a word about one of our sponsors. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Seed, the daily symbiotic your gut can't live without. Is your probiotic lying to you? Ask for the receipts, the science receipts. Guys, fact, many probiotics cannot survive the trip to your gut, but Seed's daily symbiotic can and does. The scientists over at Seed came up with a patented delivery technology, which is a capsule in capsule design containing both pre and probiotics. This design safeguards the probiotics as they travel through the rough conditions of stomach acid, enzymes, bile, salt, all while delivering the strains 100% alive and well to the colon, where they can offer all the health benefits they were created to. I got to tell you guys, my body feels great and I've experienced a lot more mental clarity since taking seed. It's been easy to take and it comes in very handsome packaging. More and more scientific research is proving that a smooth running digestive system helps with effective training. This product has been engineered for the body's optimal performance in all areas. That's something to keep in mind for you pro and aspiring athletes out there. If you want to start a new healthy habit today, visit Seed.com slash Chael. Use the code Chael to redeem 20% off your first month of Seeds Daily Symbotic. That's Seed.com slash Chael. Use the code Chael, C-H-A-E-L, for 20% off. Here's another great company I told you guys about recently, HelloFresh. It's a meal kit subscription service that offers fresh, pre-measured ingredients and really good seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. My wife and I have been loving it. They're not lacking in meal choices. There's something for everyone, including weekly low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes. My wife and I have been able to customize our plan because we're trying to do a low-carb diet. HelloFresh offers over 25 recipes featuring a ton of different recipes, cuisines and ingredients so you'll never get bored. And if you have picky eaters in the house like I do, HelloFresh offers options for them too. We get to skip going to the grocery store so often, avoid dealing with the checkout lines, and have our new custom meal ingredients delivered right to us. That's such a huge relief and it also helps as we're juggling time. We got pretty busy schedules. I like to eat good. I like to eat good food and HelloFresh has not disappointed. I highly recommend you try HelloFresh for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash chale12 and use the code chale12 for 12 free meals including free shipping. That's right. HelloFresh.com slash chale12 and the code chale12 is going to get you 12 free meals and free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. John Jones and company, right? By company, his trainers, his managers, anybody that's got their hand in the pocket and would really like to see him fight again, they're really banging the drum on the same topic, which is he's better today. Bigger, stronger, while keeping the speed, right? Physiological impossibilities, but they're saying it and I don't blame them. I think they're doing everything right in that regard. At some point, we're going to have to put a straight arm. Stop. There has never been a human being to be a better athlete at 33 than they were 23. Stop trying to sell that. And if you're so good, go out there and get your due like anybody else would. Like anybody else that had a skill, they would go out and get recognized for it. They would not just have a couple of coaches saying it on Instagram and hope that Chael picks it up for a YouTube bit. They would go out and show you, and Dana had said something about a possibility of Stipe versus John Jones. I shared with you guys that I spoke with Team Stipe in the form of Misses, and she said a possibility of Stipe versus John Jones. John then came out to say, "I'm not going to do that." Now he did say something interesting. I don't know if I like this or not. I might, I might like this. I'm, I'm undecided. Let me tell you guys what it was. He said, "I'll fight Stipe to defend my belt." But I'm coming in to win the belt. Can you do one without the other? Because it appears that you can't. And at some point, look, this thing doesn't get better with time. It gets worse and it gets weirder. And all we're going to have is the same stories of people with a financial interest saying that he looks better than ever. What if he does? Who cares? If he's better than ever, not as good, dead even, who cares? Can you beat the guy across from you? That's what this sport is about. It's not about how good are you or how are you feeling or how's that twenty pounds on you. Can you beat the guy across from you? That is the only adjudication that matters here, and that is the only thing that you will be judged and defined by—not how good you were, or or how good you felt, or how those deadlifts went. Can you beat that guy? And at some point, they're going to have to prove it. Look, if the answer is yes, they're just going to have to step in there and prove it, which in large part is what the opportunity to take on Stepe represented. If you're this damn good, man, we better match you up accordingly. Better bring in the number one contender. We better bring in the champion. We better get this right. And one of you goes off for the belt and keep the rest of the boys safe in the back. That's a responsibility and a job that we have. Well, all of those things could have been fulfilled. That's what it represented. But John is now digging in and saying it's got to be for the belt. Now, I have to interpret that that means that's Francis or Derek. He doesn't care. Somebody for the belt. Okay, I'm good with that, but those two are fighting, so when are we going to do this? For heaven's sakes, the best thing that we're left with is, is you and a couple of guys that are on the dole saying how good you are. The rest of the boys are out showing it one way or the other, for better or worse, but they're showing it. It's not going to be too long until I'm going to have to make bits and tell you guys who John Jones is. Now, John doesn't see that. He doesn't know this reality. It will not be that long until I'm sitting here going, guys, there was once a guy. Man, was he special. Long, tall guy used to be a college wrestler, his name's John Jones. So skinny they called him Bones this guy. That's real, guys. In MMA for me, there's nothing bigger than Randy Couture. When I came through the door my first day, he was standing there. Oh, by the way, he was the champion of the world. There was no one bigger. And Randy will tell me, yeah, you know, I still got some guys that remember the memories. But for most part, no, I could walk through any MMA and it wouldn't be like before where I couldn't move an inch. There's someone new. I went through this on on some level where, and this is gonna sound arrogant, but just to tell the story, I couldn't move at MMA events, period. Could not get around. It would take me hours to get from wherever we were back to my room because all the fans would be there, particularly the MGM Grand. Took me three hours to walk this one time. It was just one of those, you just couldn't move, just so many fans. I used to tell people who Henry Cejudo was. I used to beg them to care and be interested. You've got to trust me. This guy, this is gonna be the guy. The last time I was somewhere with Henry, I didn't get asked anything, not for an autograph, not for a picture, and we could not start work because the crowd was chanting triple C too loud for us to be heard on ESPN. That's a true story. The guy who I was telling people about, where I was the voice to come out on this little guy, they were chanting triple C so loud we couldn't start the show. And as cool as that was for Henry, Henry's going to be telling the same story pretty soon. It just moves quickly. That's my point. When I say that things aren't going to get better for John as time goes by, that isn't to be a jerk. That isn't to take my usual cheap shot at John. It's the reality that you have to remind people often. There is a debate in absolutely everything. If LeBron misses three games, there will be people out there saying Durant is better. It's just, that's the way it goes, but that's the way that it should be. Otherwise, you're in a sport that stays stuck in the mud. It's like the people that are trying to argue that Jordan is better than LeBron. That's a popularity contest, and that's done through nostalgia. If Jordan is, in fact, better than LeBron, then that means basketball quit maturing in 1989, and that's not what happened. Of course the sport's getting better. Any real sport gets better. It's not going to be long until people don't want John. It's not going to be long until people don't want Derek and they don't want Blades and they don't want Stipe. Okay, so this isn't a, a preference thing. The sport just moves quick. The right guy, the right perf- I could do more with one win and two shots on a microphone than any athlete could do three years of being undefeated. Get me one win and two cracks on the mic, I will go further. I will draw more, sell more, and move the needle more than anybody else. But I had a different set of skills. I just had a different set of skills. Those guys aren't on the horizon at heavyweight, apparently, right now. I know there's nobody that we're looking at. I know it looks like we got a really clear path, but those guys are never here until they're here. Conor McGregor was a dude with a weird accent and a bow tie. Three fights later, he sold out an arena, and he's never looked back. A weird accent and a bow tie. Today was named by Forbes magazine Earth's highest paid athlete of the year. It's one of those things. Nobody's the guy until he's the guy. Everything's smooth sailing, all of a sudden you get a guy named Brock Lesnar who says, you know what, I'm leaving the WWE, I'm coming over here. Well, guess what, look out every other top heavyweight because we've got to make a spot on the card for this monster. It's the way that it goes. And yes, the potential at heavyweight, I'm, I'm well aware. I'm well aware that there's a number of them that could replace NyQuil. I'm just sharing with you, that guy's out there somewhere. And the more shows that go by or the more opportunity John gives him to come in and take that thunder. I think Prokoska is a great example. I wasn't overly interested in the guy. I knew who he was because King Moe is my friend and they fought a couple of times. So I kind of followed him. I recognized he was good. Man, I can't really wait to see his next fight. Maybe more than any any light heavyweight out there. I want to see Prokoska. See just how good is he. Just how far can he go. What more tricks does he have up his sleeve. And I think you guys can relate with that. We were starting to feel that with Chimaev just recently, right? That Chimaev experience, man, that was a real thing and it was awesome. But how quick did he do that? There's a guy, didn't quite go as far, but Gunnar Nelson. You guys remember Gunnar Nelson? He had that same level of he busted in and everybody needed to know about Gunnar. He was absolutely stoic. He had a, a karate stance and he could get it done on the ground. He didn't care who he was fighting. He was training with Conor McGregor. He was very mysterious. I realize he didn't make it as far, but it was these same things. Johnny Walker, to use another example, the buzz around Johnny Walker is bigger than the buzz around anybody else right now, and it didn't work out. That's okay. I'm sharing with you how these things happen and how quickly they happen. John Jones was just some skinny kid that wrestled a little in college, and then all of a sudden he's throwing he's throwing Stefan Bonner in a salto over the top. He's catching kicks and spinning into elbows, a technique that we just simply had never seen in the sport before. It happened very quick. One of the reasons that he was the youngest champion, I'm talking about John Jones, the youngest champion in UFC history wasn't because he was the best, it's because he got the opportunity before anybody else. I mean, he came in hot and hard. I realize John's extended that. But I just remember those early days so that when John hears this, maybe he can go, man, Chael's right. Not only is he right, I actually did that. Yeah, and then another thing, John extended. Take that part away. I'm absolutely defining a Bones Jones at one point in his career. And that's never going to end. I don't know who's going to be selling the Nikes that the kids want at Christmas next year, but I can tell you it's whoever wins the Heisman Trophy that's in a few months. And you get my point on that. Stars come really quickly. One year ago... You would have lost anything I let you bet if I told you the biggest star in boxing was going to be a duo of YouTubers named the Paul Brothers. You'd have have lost it all. And I wouldn't have won anything because I wouldn't have said it and I wouldn't have predicted it my damn self, right? I mean, it's just one of those things, but stuff happens and it happens fast. And every day that John sets out, he at least gives the opportunity for somebody else to step in. Francis Ngannou is another one that got it done very quick. He came in, he looked the part, he was mysterious, he filled the weight class, and he had dynamite in his fist. But he got it done quick. If you go back in time and look at how fast Francis was to bust onto the scene and be a main event for the world title against Steve Miocic the very first time, it might be the all-time record. There's more guys right now that Sean and Mick have signed. We don't know all the heavyweights they have. We haven't seen the field. We've seen a lot of them, but they have new ones signed that just haven't made their debut yet. Every day we let go by... It's one opportunity closer. I think that John and Stipe is a good idea. John seemed to have some arguments about the size. That was a, a, a big thing with him and his argument. That would be gone. He and Stipe would weigh the same. There's a chance John weighs in heavier than Stipe. There's a chance Stipe is three or four heavier than John. That's a wash. Three, four, five, even ten. That's It's a wash. Same thing. So it seems as though we could satisfy and fulfill a lot of the needs and requests of John Jones and that we could do it quickly. And there, there was a real deadlock there on him going in and taking on Francis. Well, we don't have to do that. At least not first. Let's see how you are because all we have is your coaches saying you're really good. I appreciate that, but I need to know if you're better than him. That's the question. Not how quick you are, how strong you are. Are you quicker and stronger than him? One-on-one. And we got to get reminded of that. John came out and he did he did some tweets. He said he wasn't going to fight Stipe. Now, he has since deleted those tweets. I don't ever know how to interpret that either. If that's just good, solid trolling, then I support it because it works for me. When a guy deletes a tweet, I think, oh, he's deleting something that he didn't want us to know. He didn't mean to get it out there. Well, You could also just do it to make a guy curious. I used to do this on Twitter all the time. I would send a message to somebody and then I would capitalize one of the words for no goddamn reason at all. And people would focus, they'd lock in, they'd speculate. Why did he capitalize that? It's a trick I learned from Paul Heyman. But just to make people guess, make people wonder. So maybe John's doing that. I like a good troll, if that's what he's doing. But I don't know if that's what I believe that it is. I think maybe he changed his mind. He said he won't fight Stipe. Somebody got a hold of him and said, hey, stop being so damn resistant to every idea the company that you're with comes up with. You can't resist them all. Resisting them all doesn't make you a great negotiator. It makes you unemployed. And that's the part where there gets to be a miss. You have these managers. Look, I just saw this. Nick Diaz's manager. Guys, see this? i tell you his name if I know it. I'd never heard of the gentleman before. But he came out and he was speaking. It was his, Nick, going to fight Chamayev. And the manager put out a statement stating three reasons why Hosmet uh, Chamayev. Should not get the fight with Nick. Three reasons. So of course you're sitting there going, look man, you're new to this space. Old Chael's been around 20 some years. I don't recognize the name. And that isn't a past judgment. I just haven't had a chance to say hello to the man yet. But you're still new to the space. or I would I would know the name and I would have had said hello by now. You came out in a statement about your client stating nothing about your client and three things about the other guy. Now the other guy happens to be represented by a manager I have heard of. And so have you. His name is Ali. Ali would never put out a statement about his client stating nothing and putting three things about the other guy. Even if they were all negatives, Ali would never do that. If he was going to put out a statement and it was going to have three things in it, they all would have been positives about his guy. So coming out and making an argument for your client as to what's wrong with the idea that's been offered to you by the guy that's going to write the check does not make you good at managing. It makes your client unemployed. How about we turn our attention now to tomorrow's highly anticipated UFC 262 and my official predictions. Sounds like a plan to me. Let's begin first with the co-main event. My official prediction, Tony Ferguson versus Benny DeRouche. Guys, I'm taking Ferg and hear me out on why. Look, if you ever lose your spot, any sport, cross the board. If you're number one, if you're number two, if you're number three, but you all of a sudden are number seven, number eight, you're never getting your spot back. It's never going to happen. And you could go through history and you could find a time or two where I'm wrong and that's it. You could find a time or two. We just don't get better with age. Let me tell you what I like about Tony. Oh, maybe I should start with this and tell you another thing that I don't like. When a guy who's doing so well or in Tony's case, top guy for a number of years even reached a championship, all of a sudden goes and trains elsewhere. Just don't like it because again, historically... Not a lot of signs point to something positive. It's exactly what I like about Tony. In this case, very rare. Tony is known for getting hit a lot. Some people even say Tony's a slow starter. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that Tony's starting slow. He just doesn't have head movement. Okay, Now, to do a lot of head movement like you would do in Western boxing stops you from being able to throw kicks. So Tony made a calculated decision, he did it a number of years ago, I'm not going to move my head as much, however, I'm going to be in position to throw my kicks, and he's turned those kicks into a real weapon. A real tool. He'll even pass one foot over, turn his back foot into his new power leg kick. I mean, it's it's a little bit different, real choppy kicks. Go see the Pettis fight, go see the Cowboy Cerrone fight by example. But he throws a real nasty kick and he throws it differently. He will pass the back leg in front of the front leg, making the front leg, now the back leg, and then throw it so it becomes a power shot. It's interesting how he does it, but he also got good rewards for it. So for him, in his own calculation, and it's only for Tony to decide. He decided that it was better to take some of those shots to be able to give that kick. Now, over time, what have we seen? We've seen it's probably best if Tony didn't get hit quite as much. And the reason I bring this to you, and it's more important than ever when he's in three round fights, this is a main event guy. He can throw the first round away, he throws them away all the time. But now you gotta win the next two, right? Three round atmosphere. You gotta win the next two. Tony went to train with Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach is a Western boxer, not an MMA fighter, not a Muay Thai fighter. It will be move your head. And is moving your head something you can learn to do in the four months that Tony's been there? No. But I need to tell you, as a former training partner and teammate of Tony, he's not learning to move his head. He's remembering to move his head. And that's totally different. Tony used to do this all the time. All the time. He wasn't as kick-heavy. But all the time, he was moving, getting clinches, those elbows, those knees. Once he went to the kicks, now he had to be a little bit more stern, a little more upright, a little more of that Muay Thai stance instead of a Western boxing stance. Just by example, these are things he used to do well. I saw him do it on a daily basis. I'd see Tony go practices, and guys, I could name some names who I watched with my own eyes. Tony wore him out. But Tony didn't just wear him out. They wouldn't put a hand on him. Tony would slip. Tony would slip. Tony would duck. Tony, would. Bob, could have put a hand on him when he got into the new kick-heavy game. And I keep bringing that to you because he's got a new trainer in Freddie Roach. However, I just think in this case, that's the right guy. And by the way, usually when somebody trades uh, camps, trades trainers, they don't end up with somebody as great as Freddie, right? I mean, this is a whole nother story. I think Tony's going to be ready to move. I don't think Tony's too old. I don't think Tony slowed down. I think Tony does what Tony does, which is fight studs. You're going to lose some of those. Benny Darouche is a straight-up killer, no, no question about it. But one of the problems that Tony did have with Charlie Olives was the three rounds. He didn't know how to pace himself. He didn't know how to plan for that. I think having, even if it was just one three-round experience in recent time, it's still helpful and it's advantageous. Look, this is an uphill battle. Benny DeRouche is not to be messed with. Not to mention, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Benny. He's never been put in a spot like this. I get it. But that also comes with pressures. And don't think that Tony isn't feeling some pressures too. He knows what this means. There's no path back, no reasonable path back to the championship for Tony if he stubs his toe here. Some guys can't deal with pressure. Tony can. Some guys can't deal with pressure. Darush can. These are two tough guys. Some guys fold under pressure. Some, guys, uh, some other guys remember all a diamond is is a piece of coal that withstood the pressures of time. It's all how you're going to react to it. I think that Ferg is getting the right train. I think Ferg is going to move that head. I think Ferg is not going to be accused of having a slow start. I think Ferg is not going to be taken down. I think he was surprised by Charles Oliveira. I think he learned a lesson from that. And if Ferg isn't taken down... That means you gotta beat him standing up. And I would challenge any of you, aside from the name Justin you, to tell me a time that you ever saw Tony lose standing up. My official prediction for Chandler versus Oliveira, guys, I am taking Chandler. And I've gotta tell you, you wanna know something, this isn't gonna be a close fight. Now, I could be wrong and it's not Chandler, but if I'm wrong, I'm going to be really wrong. One of these two is going to kick the other two's ass. They're just, they're two they're different of styles. They're two different of styles to go out there and start changing rounds. If Chandler comes out and he takes charge, it's going to be very hard to stop him. And that's what I'm banking on. I believe Chandler's going to come out and he's going to take charge. Chandler is extremely powerful. People forget that. They remember that he was a couple-time All-American wrestler from Missouri. They're expecting him to wrestle. He seldomly does. He generally comes out there, mixes it up, but lands some big shots. What people do miss is how damn powerful he is. Now, Oliveira's got something else on his side, too, which is Olivera can mix it up so well and keep you guessing, and he's got a gas tank. you got to have a gas tank to stay in there with Chandler. I think that these are two great options to fight for the belt, but let's come back to that because neither of them is the right one. Neither one of these guys is fighting with the great glory uh, and looking forward to being champion in comparison to becoming the guy that possibly gets to fight Conor next. We've never seen a title fight like this in history. It has been openly disclosed to us and told to us in no uncertain terms that the number one contender at 155 pounds is Dustin Poirier, but that Dustin elected to not go into a championship fight, but instead to a trilogy with Conor. We've never had that happen before. So we now know that two afterthoughts are going to be fighting for the belt. Now, before you think I'm insulting these guys, these guys are okay with it. They understand how this opportunity came. They plan to make the most of it and they both would like to draw into the winner of Poirier versus Connor of which they will but they would both like for that to be Connor. Look, red panning night is still a real thing. And what I'm speaking to, I'm not trying to put these guys down in the least. What I'm speaking to is they have a built-in uh, motivation. They have an extra incentive. Anybody else who's ever fought for a world title in the history of ever is fighting to get that belt and put around their waist and to have that glorious moment to get those pictures to get that for the mantle to have something to brag to their kids and their grandkids about. These two are essentially fighting for a number one contendership in many ways. In many ways, even Chandler has been open to speaking about, I sure hope Connor wins. I'd like to defend and go in and fight Connor because Panny nights is still a deal, guys. It's still a real thing. Dustin Poirier himself was given the opportunity to fight for the belt. It won't be against Connor or to fight Connor, but it won't be for the belt. You saw which one he chose. It's very interesting if you look at it from that perspective. They have a built-in motivation. They have a whole different incentive. They don't just have the incentive of the championship and the points and all the money and stardom and great things that come with that. They then get to go into, with a little luck from Connor, that fight. And that's the one that they're really excited and looking for. And none of this is a knock on anybody. I'm telling you the story as it's happening. There's a bit of a compliment here. There is a compliment that still goes to Connor. That's true. Now, figuring out if you think Conor can get over on Dustin, right? But that's a conversation for another day. I'm just talking about the motivations. I'm talking about the motivations that they have both, Charlie Olives and Michael Chandler, have spoke about as recently as this week. I've heard Chandler say more things. This is me. I'm not saying he said more things. I'm saying I've heard him say more things about Conor McGregor than I've heard him say about Charles Oliveira this week. And of course, for Chandler to get to Connor, it would mean that he got through Oliveira. So it would be a byproduct. And sure, Chandler's bringing the belt, but he's not looking to just to take on the winner of Dustin and Connor. He realizes that's what he's going to have to do, but he's hoping that that's Connor because Red Panty Knight is still a real thing. There's a real compliment here for Connor McGregor. There's a compliment for Connor McGregor that Dustin Poirier was offered a world title or McGregor and said, McGregor. It's real interesting when you look at it from this perspective. And if you guys are going to go and try to break this fight down, you want to handicap it or you want to bet snacks with somebody at work, something along these lines, don't go and study their entire careers. Because you're going to decide that Oliveira doesn't belong in there with him, right? Oliveira is good as he is, but you're going to decide he doesn't belong in there and he's not near as good as Chandler. That's just going to be some wins and losses. But if you go back and you look a little bit closer or if you came along the journey like I did and watched it at the time, you will realize... That Oliveira lost a couple of fights he shouldn't have lost. And Oliver was going down to 145 that was just simply too low. He had, he had weight issues. There was just a few things that happened before he matured and really got into his stride. I would encourage you to just go back and watch both of their last fights. Because as short as Chandler's night was, he still showed this explosiveness. And he still showed his ability to command respect. And to come across that ring, and that's a big deal. If you respect Chandler, you're going to have a hard time beating him. And I don't mean mentally. I don't mean as, as a gentleman. If you walk out and you're hesitant, if he stands his ground and he comes forward and you circle left or you circle right, you're going to have problems. You're not going to outthink him and outstrategize him. And I, and I have a feeling that any coach in the world is going to look at that and tell you circle left or circle right, they're wrong. You've got to go forward. You've got to bully him. And it's hard to do because he's strong. It's hard to bully and make somebody quit when they're in as good a shape and there's as good a competitor as Michael Chandler. It's hard to beat Michael Chandler. I got it. If you're going to do it, you got to stand your ground right away. Second one. So we got to know first if is going to do that, but we're going to see it pretty quickly. And if you go and watch Oliveira's last fight with Tony, that's where you're going to see, first off, this guy's a gas tank, Okay has never really weaponized pace. Pacing's never been a problem for him, but he's never weaponized it quite like he did with Tony. He not only out wrestled Tony, out punched Tony, out grappled Tony, he out paced him. I can't say that ever before. I can't say anybody that's ever done that. So we've actually found a way to turn pacing into a, we- a weapon. And he looks so good on the ground, but he kept you guessing is he going to pound? Is he going to stretch? Is he going to take you down? Or is he going to punch? Is he going to elbow? Or is he going to knee? He kept you guessing, even as the outsider. I'm the viewer. I can see everything. I can see everything way better than Tony can see it. He fooled me. Oh, he's looking to strike. Boom. He drops down to a double. Oh, he's coming for a double. Boom. He comes over the elbow. Boom. He comes over the top of the nether elbow. I mean, it's one of these things where he kept us guessing to a very high level, which is why I really don't know what's going to happen in this fight. There are two different of fighters for this to be tit for tat. Somebody's going to kick somebody's ass. I got to pick someone. I mean, it's down to that. It's that close and it's that much of a pick'em fight. Is that same Oliveira going to show up? We know the same Chandler will. Chandler's just very consistent, but Oliveira has been very consistent for three years. I think we need to give him a little do as well. I am going with Chandler. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Please feel free to head on over to Apple Podcasts, review the show. Let us know what you thought of my prediction and the interview. I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy UFC 262 tomorrow night and I will be back on Wednesday to talk about it. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome.